This morning, I'm going to try to work with something that has been on my heart for some time. I was asking God way back some time when, when the, uh, when the, one of the teams, I don't remember which one it was, and there's several here, uh, but one of them was talking about what to do at Christmas time, and I just felt like the Spirit was saying to me, I want this celebration to be about joy. And I, I readily admit that as far as the showing forth of joy, it's not something that I knew very much about. I know a lot more about it now uh, because I, I've looked into it from several different ways. I want to read scripture in the beginning, just starting with Luke chapter 2, very familiar passage to most people. Beginning with verse 8, in the same region there were shepherds staying out in the field and keeping watch over their flock by night. An angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them and the glory of the Lord shone round about them and they were terribly frightened. Can you imagine that? <laughs> I can, I can imagine, I'm sure I wouldn't be much of a shepherd as far as the sheep goes, but being out hunting or something and all of a sudden have an angelic appearance just happened before me. <laughs> Uh, sometimes I think it might happen in the form of a deer, but we won't go there. We'll, we'll let Damon do that one. But I think it might be a little scary. The angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David there has been born to you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angels a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest on earth, peace among men with whom he is pleased. Now let me, let me stop there and just remind you that as far as our language goes, all of the verse divisions and all of the um, punctuation has been added by the translators. And it's our tendency that all the way back to the times of the Crusades, it's our tendency in the church to read a negative connotation into the Scripture. But notice that this passage was prefaced with the thought of it being good news. And think of how many messages that you've heard that was really not good news. And the way this has been read from time to time is that, yeah, there's peace on earth or peace among men, but it's only those he's pleased with. And that's just the punctuation. What it really says is on earth, peace among men with whom he's pleased. That's so hard for us because of, because of what's been built into us. That I made, I made a mistake yesterday. God's not pleased with me. I haven't done everything right. God is not pleased with me. But the truth is that this season, and it's not just today. I began to realize this as I studied it. But there, there is a season in this nation and around the world right now that when it turns toward Christmas... Even that those that do not celebrate in their minds the birth of Christ, there's a season in which there's a focus on joy and peace and things of that nature. And 
I have to smile at that and, and chuckle a little bit because the enemy intended for it to turn into a completely pagan celebration. But let everything that has breath praise the Lord. <laughs> give, give Him glory and give Him praise. So I just want to set that to say that no matter what your yesterday was, God is pleased with you. And if you will embrace Him, He will indwell you and He'll change your world. How many of you enjoyed Mark Drake? Amen. Amazing man. Love his message. Love, love, love his message. And when we begin to understand that no matter how I feel when I wake up in the morning, God dwells in me and he wants to talk to me about that. It changes everything. It changes our whole world. Men with whom God is pleased. And when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, let us go straight to Bethlehem then and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. So they came in a hurry and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in a manger. And when they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told them about this child. I'm going to go so far in the beginning this morning to say that we are on the verge of something happening that will be as significant to our culture as this coming was to that culture. Now, I'm not, I'm not asking you to look back at Azusa Street and say, oh, I've got to look for another, another Azusa Street happening. I'm not asking you to look back at the revival of the early 60s. The 50s and 60s, the, uh, the latter rain move. I'm not asking you to look at that and say that's what we're looking for. But it seems like on the horizon, there's something that God wants to do that is so amazing that we can't even put words to it. And part of it is going to be prefaced with joy. Joy unspeakable joy indescribable because in it is fullness of glory now glory is not don't go don't go off thinking of all of the ways that glory has been translated or, or talked about glory is simple the approval the loving approval of one toward another and as we give our loving approval to God and he returns his loving approval to us we generate, as I mentioned earlier, all that we are toward him, however little it might be. But folks, when he starts generating what he is toward us, everything changes. And before, this, before these things happen, every time you find the, it, it's, like a, it's like a team being prepared to run. You find things falling off and things, things trimming down. And it's much like Gideon in the Old Testament that he wanted a huge army. But before God got finished with them, it had dwindled down to almost nothing in the face of the armies of the world. But that's what God chose to move with. And folks, I'm telling you, we need to quit looking at what, who might decide to come and who might decide to go and to realize that God is doing something in His church because He wants a people He can move with. Yeah. Amen. I've talked to at least 
ten heads of congregations this week, probably more, Every one of them were expressing concern about people falling out, people deciding they're going to go somewhere else, people deciding they're going to go look for something else, people deciding this, people deciding that. They're concerned about it, but every one of them are in agreement that God is doing something in his house. And I'm telling you this, he won't do it outside of relationship, this book is entirely about relationship. It's all about it. One person in specific, and he's, this will be Damon's story to tell if he chooses to tell it, but one, one person that, that showed a lot of promise said to Damon, you're all caught up in this relationship stuff. <laughs> and Damon's response, you can imagine, well, yes, yes, I am. But the guy's point was, he's going to go to something else. Why? Because he didn't want the scrutiny of relationship. Yeah. And folks, we, we're surrounded by that in the Christian world. But I'm telling you, we're not surrounded by that in the unsaved world. They're missing relationships. They're wanting relationships. They're crying out for relationships. They're finding a relationship with a screen in the palm of their hand. Not enough. And they're looking for somebody that will stop and just ask them how they're doing. Somebody that will just talk with them and, and walk with them and, and encourage them and, and so on and so forth. I'm getting stories coming out of schools from people that we're working with that you won't believe. And I can't say exactly where this is, but it's here in Missouri. One man, the, the superintendent of schools, came to him and said, Would you take the first hour of every day, and I want to bring our problem boys into that class, the first hour of every day, and I want you to somehow help them. And he said, Well, I want you to know that the only thing I have to offer them is Jesus and the guy said, that's okay, I've got your back. If you can help them, I want you to help them however you have to help them. And you know what? That started at the first of the year. Just last week, he came to this man again and said, I want you to go with me to the, meeting, to the uh, superintendent's meeting in the state of Illinois because I want to present this on the, on the two-state-wide level and tell people there is a way that you can change the lives of young people. Now, I'm not going to say who and where because I don't want some nonsensical person getting a hold of that and deciding they're going to file a lawsuit. Why? Because I want to see the freedom of God in the house. And I want it to be established and proven. And I'm telling you, we're headed that way. We've got to figure this out. as how we do it different than Azusa Street done it. How we do it differently than the Latter Rain Movement done it. How we do it differently than the Charismatic Movement done it. How we do it differently than the Faith Movement done it. How do we do it to reach them in 2000? 2019. And we begin with joy without expression, joy that can't be expressed. And we'll get more into that as we go along. But I want you to look. This little clip will give you probably the best definition that I've been able to come up with. Time Square. All the pent up joy of five days waiting is unleashed. New York and 
and let's go. That was the best definition of joy that I could find on the internet. Now we know that men got involved and it didn't happen quite like they expected, but for that moment, the war was over. Suffering was done. That thing that had devastated so many lives and caused so much heartache, demanded so much sacrifice, it was over. Part of the word joy is to exult. E-X-U-L-T, I believe, exult. I know my Oklahoma twang sometimes makes things out of these vowels that, that doesn't make it sound right. But that word, any way you cut it and everywhere you look at it, that word means that I get happy because somebody else lost. That's what was happening there. That's what happened on the night Jesus was born. Heaven got happy because the devil lost. <laughs> that makes me want to just laugh. And all of the nonsense we get into. But this, this word joy, it has two parts to it. One is exuberance and the other one is exulting. Exuberant is a lively, energetic excitement as understanding comes and you begin to grasp the meaning of events. At 7 o'clock in the evening, a little bit after 7, that came out and there was celebration in Times Square. But the next morning, by the time this news had really registered, that crowd you saw was a small crowd compared to what was there the next day. Why? Because it began to really settle on them that this thing was over. My, it wasn't just the soldiers that had sacrificed. It was everybody that had sacrificed. And then the angels in, on that night that Jesus was born, they began to say some things. And, and it just... If you take time to, to lay it out and see what was actually being said, now they're saying, glory to God. Glory to God. Now, now maybe for the first time, the, the angelic hosts say, glory to God. Now maybe for the first time, men will begin to see God as He really is. And I'm telling you, if you don't ever get anything else from this message, get this. The demonstration of the heart of God was in the birth of that child. That his desire, his way, his will, everything was there. That glory, that to give loving acceptance and approval. And then he said this, they said this, they said, on earth, peace among men. How many of you know that I'm not looking for peace when we get to whatever heaven is? If I need peace on earth. I, I really need peace on earth. And that peace is, is the opposite of strife. Peace, peace is, is actually in direct con contrast with strife. Strife is the conflict of the mind over basic issues, whatever they might be. But peace is an untroubled, undisturbed way of existence. And that's the serenity in which God lives 
And that heavenly host will say, now it's finally possible in spite of living in a fallen world to understand that this world is on its way to redemption. And you can live peaceful and untroubled and undisturbed in the midst of it because God's offering you that life. That life. Now, how can this be? I believe the Father was showing His plan, not only His plan, but also His pleasure. Uh, His plan was in this baby. And folks, I want you to know this is the way it happens every time. You don't see the end result of peace and joy when God first begins to speak to you. You have something leap in you, something births in you, something real in you, something, something that happens to you. Like when, when Elizabeth, when Mary walked in and, and gave her a greeting, she didn't say, hey, I'm pregnant with Jesus. But she walked in and greeted Mary, and Mary said, this baby that's in, or Elizabeth said, this baby that's in me leaped with joy because that baby sensed that the answer to God had just walked in the house. Answer from God had just walked in the house. I, I've seen all kinds of, of, uh, of things there as, we, as, I've, as I've studied this. But there's a couple of things I want to I bear down on, and then Polly's going to help me with this message. But um, I talked to Lenny this morning. And I, I asked God, I said, God, I, I haven't focused on joy, real true joy enough. I want you to help me with it, God. I want you to help me to see it in people. And this morning I walked in and, and Lenny started talking to me. She said that she had, was it, is it basketball? I just started basketball. Yeah, signed up and started basketball. And she said, I was able to get up and get out on the floor in a way that I've never been able to before. We had just talked a couple of weeks ago about things that possibly happening, that that she had such a presence come on her at one point in a service here that that she, the shaking that had been so much a part of her life that she never got away from, it stopped. And I said at that point, I said, Lenny, what if God's healing you? And I said again this morning, what's your life going to be like a year from now if you're completely well? And she immediately said, yeah, and I'm expecting God to heal my mind too. I I have problems learning and I'm expecting God to heal my mind too. Folks, that's joy beginning to erupt and bubble over. It's beginning to say, hey, God is touching me. What the doctor said is going to happen is not happening. Something that seemed to be impossible is happening. And then joy begins to bubble over. There's a man that I just met him this year. And shortly after he had had a motorcycle accident in in this general area. And because he does some things for us around, I I called him and talked to him. And and he, he said, man, I don't know how it's going to turn out. He said, I, I don't know. They they're telling me that my kidneys might never function again and that I might never walk again. And I said, well, let's just pray. And we prayed. And then I called him again again a couple of weeks later. How's it going? It seems to be better. Things are happening. I said, well, let's pray. And we prayed. Now, he walked in my house yesterday. And I was on the phone and... And Chelsea said, he's not going to go until he talks to you. (laughs) 
And, and I said, that's okay. So I hung up the phone and, and talked to him, and, and he said, man, there's so much joy in this season. And he said, my kidneys are functioning 100%. Said I'm walking. I'm going to be able to do my job soon. I'm going to be able to go back to work. And he said it's all because of prayer. It's all because God got involved. And he was expressing. He said it at least four times in that ten-minute conversation. There's such joy in this season. I'm going down to see my grandchild in Dallas. We're going to drive down there. Such joy in that to see them grow up. There's such joy in that. And he kept saying it. Joy, joy, joy. Hey, it came out of terrible circumstances. Not even knowing if he was going to live. Certainly didn't look like he was going to be well after living. But joy was bubbling up. Joy was bubbling up. Joy unspeakable, indescribable with a fullness of glory in it. You see, God's showing his plan and how he does it on this night by birthing a baby into this world. Now, Polly, come help me right here. I want you to listen to what Polly has to put into this this morning. It's very important. Yes, please. Can you hear me? Okay. Um, I'm going to take you through some thought processes that hit me a few weeks ago. Um, I was thinking about rainbow babies. I don't know who's familiar with the concept of a rainbow baby. Raise your hand. Anybody know? Okay. A, a rainbow baby is um, a baby who is born after loss. So uh, um, a miscarriage, um, a stillbirth, a baby who, who dies after delivery or um, even um, SIDS deaths. So it, it's... It's the beauty that comes after a storm. Um, words that come to mind when I was thinking about this was joy, thankful, blessed, hopeful, peaceful. And I started to think about Christmas because, of course, you know, it was around Thanksgiving when this um, came to me. Um, in the French language, I don't know who's familiar, and I'm probably going to butcher this, so forgive me. Um, Merry Christmas is Joyeux Noel. The word Joyeux is directly translated to mean joyous. So they're literally saying joyous Christmas. But I realized that um, this season enhances feelings that people have like no other. And not everybody's feeling it. Not everybody's feeling that joy. Not everybody is excited. They're hurting. People are hurting. And so then I was thinking about the between. What comes between that loss and that rainbow baby? It's a dark time. It's stormy. There's anger, hurt. You're scared. You don't know what's coming next. There's no promises. And I want to, um, so I started to think, I have a verse here. I'm going to read, I think. Um, so this is in Matthew 14, 22 to 32. This is where Jesus is walking on the water. And it's not just about Jesus walking on the water. It's about Peter. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. This was after he fe fed the 5,000. 
After he had dismissed them, he went up to a mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, but the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. There was a storm. During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But then he saw the wind. He was afraid, and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. I just want to encourage you today to keep your eyes on Jesus. The storm's going to rage, but he's always there. Focus on him. When Peter began to sink, it was because he lost sight of Jesus. He started to see the scary stuff around him, the doubt. It was when his focus left his Savior that he was overwhelmed by the storm. I think about Mary, the mother of Jesus. Do you think she had fears and doubt? Think about the time that she lived in. She could have been stoned to death. I mean, that's just one thing that could have happened to her. And, and even beyond the birth of Jesus, there were probably still whispers. People still knew the story. Um, she had to face that for probably most of her life. But in Luke 138, I'm back. Her response is not a fear. She's looking at God. She's keeping her eyes on him. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. And then the angel left. She was human, but she kept her focus on God and had faith in his plan to use her to bring us the greatest gift of all, and that's Jesus. Keep your eyes on him even when the storm is raging. We all deal with stuff relationships that are fractured, um, loss, financial issues. I mean, there's, there's always something, it seems. But keep your eyes on him even when the storm is raging. Um, Deuteronomy 31.6. I actually wrote the wrong book here, so I'm confusing myself. Sorry. Um, this is when Moses is talking to the children of Israel, and he's um, telling them what's, what's happening next and encouraging them. And in 31.6, he says, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. That's a beautiful promise. That's a promise. Um, joy, hope, peace. Those things can be yours when you focus on Jesus and you let the storm fall to the side. Um, go ahead and show that picture if you could. I don't, I'm sure some of you have seen this picture, but this is a picture of, um, this is a baby who was born after um, the, the parents suffered infertility. All of those syringes and needles um, and vials are the treatments that they used um, to have this baby. That's a lot. Who thinks to save that stuff? I mean, but they did. And I think it was because of the hope that they had in them. When I look at those needles and those syringes, some words come to mind, some things um, that they may have been feeling. There was fear. 
there was pain, both physical and mental. The physical pain of giving all those injections, the mental pain of wondering, is this gonna work? There was suffering. And there's also injustice. Why do we have to go through this? But also when I see those, I think other things. I think about persistence. They had faith in their dream. They had hope. And they were focused. These people didn't quit. They kept their eyes on their goal. And they held true to that hope that was within them. And I just want you to look at that beautiful baby in the middle. Look at that the rainbow blanket. That baby's so peaceful, so cute. The baby in that picture is the joy, the hope, the promise, and the rainbow after the storm. You know, when Polly was telling me about what God was saying to her, I, I was thinking about this message at the time and thinking his plan for all mankind began with a baby. And think of everything that has to do with a baby. That baby can't jump up tomorrow and pastor a church. It can't run a beauty salon. That baby needs everything. <laughs> That's the way it is. It just really needs everything. It needs food. It needs nurture. It needs care. But here's what I want to emphasize. It needs human care. You can't just put a baby out on the front step and say, God, now you take care of this baby. No, it needs the touch of humanity. And folks, I want you to get that. Most of what God does in us is born in a very small way on the inside of us, his word. And as we begin to speak forth that word, and I'm not talking about positive confession now, I'm talking about we realize God spoke and we're saying what he said in the face of everything. Knowing that that word needs human care. His word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we understand that that word needs nurture. It needs human care. It needs, it needs all of the stuff that comes from relationships. And it's the way things begin. And that's his plan. His, what's his pleasure? Mankind. It demonstrated his, play, his plan and also his pleasure. You think it, it must have pleased God. He had confidence that when he spoke to Mary, that she would receive what he said and face all the odds and produce this child. When he speaks to you, he has confidence that you will embrace this, pull it to yourself, and realize this thing was born of the Holy Ghost. And then face everything you have to face, realizing that our God is a truth teller. Yeah. I loved what Mark was saying over and over again last week. We've got to begin with believing that our God speaks truth. Amen. Embracing it. He speaks truth. And if He speaks truth, He's the healer, Lenny. He's the healer, Trent. You see, he don't see magnification of diseases. He sees magnification of his son. And that's where he works. That's where he dwells. That's where he walks among us, is in what he has said. There's no accident that Jesus was born to working people. Now, I'm not saying anything against any other kind of people, but I'm saying that he chose to be born to working folks. 
People who would interrupt their schedule, as, as Pauly mentioned, it interrupted Mary's schedule. Interrupted her life to the point where it had to have another angelic appearance to Joseph to get him on board with this thing. And those days were different days. In those days, they did not celebrate what is considered illegitimate births. But let me say this, there are no illegitimate births. There's illegitimate relationships who produce birth. But there are no illegitimate births. These babies, they're not illegitimate. <laughs> no, they're very, very legit. They, pro they were produced just like God said you would produce babies. So <laughs> just lay that out there. There's a, so much to, uh, to do with this working people thing. That he, Jesus came to Joseph and Mary. The angels appeared to shepherds. Now get this, they were busy about life. They were taking care of the sheep. And what the angel says, I, I want you to go and look. And they could have said, oh, we've got these sheep to watch. It, it's cold. It, it's, it's that time of year. Now, I know that Jesus wasn't born in December. Understand that. That doesn't matter. This is what we when we choose to celebrate. That's what matters. But it's still pretty much sure that it was in some, time, some, some of the wintertime in Israel that he was born. It was an interruption, a disruption of their lives. They had to go and embrace what, what God was doing. He reserves the right to interrupt your little tidy life. And he will. Amen. Over and over and over again. You guys are experiencing it right now. Everything all, I, I, you haven't said this, Joe, but everything all planned out. You know exactly when retirement's coming, somewhat what you might do. But guess what? He interrupted your life. Man, he's disrupted my life so many times. So many times, and sometimes I've thought he was disrupting and tried to run with it, and he said, whoa, 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 that's not me. And then when he seen I was going to do it anyway, he loves me, he's my friend. He said, well, if he's going in, I'm going in too. I don't know, I don't know how he's going to come out of this, but I'm going to come out of this okay. And in he goes, right with us. He'll interrupt your life, and his answer will come in the form of his word, his expression to you. And then you'll need to give it human attention to help it grow. And you'll need to pay attention to the human expression around you. Mary needed Joseph to make this thing happen. They needed, Jesus needed the disciples to make this thing happen. But here's the thing, we have a choice. We can come to him, or we can go on our merry way without him involved. And you know what, we can have a life that way, but it won't produce what the promises are. It won't produce what his life has promised. Luke chapter 19, verse 41. I want you to get this. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, If you... Now this is Jerusalem, the city that would eventually crucify him. If you had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it's hidden from your eyes. When we decide to ignore what God has brought into our lives... Peace is hidden from our eyes. Peace is, is that uninterrupted, undisturbed, unperturbed. It's, a, it's that life that we can live in God. It's hidden from our eyes. We can't see it. You see, your choice will either open or close your spiritual eyes. 
And you know what one of the greatest problems, I wasn't planning on saying this, but I believe the Lord wants me to say it. One of the greatest problems with, with Christianity is we get really in serious trouble because our spiritual eyes are closed. And then we start to cause trouble for those whose spiritual eyes are open because we want them to experience the same nonsense we're experiencing. It'll make us somehow feel justified. Folks, one of the, one of the things about becoming humble is to realize that I might hear the Word of God from Trent. And it'll be the Word of God, and God will be giving me an idea of whether to go with it or not go with it. If I choose not to go with it and it's God... My spiritual eyes will not be open. I might get, guys, this is going to be hard for you. I might get the word of God from Chelsea. Now, I, I understand. That's a rare happening. No, <laughs> not really. She brings the word to me over and over and over again. And I have to sort then. What's her word? What's God's word? And, and because we all got this ability to sort it. It's not that she's trying to take me astray, but we have to sort to say it, and we have to sort to receive it. But when it's God's Word, it brings an opening of the eyes and a fullness of moving forward. Now, Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through, 4 through 7. I love this passage of Scripture. Rejoice in the Lord always. Let the exuberance of the memory of this season that Jesus was born and the angels erupted. Why? They were exuberant. The enemy was done. It was, he would never win the battle now because something had been birthed on the earth, in the earth, for the earth. Glory to God on earth. Peace. Goodwill to men. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. Why? Because the Lord is near. Now, probably none of you guys have the struggle that I had and still have <laughs> with, with the macho idea of what a man is. And I will continue to have that struggle because I'm not ready to Let's put it this way. I still like to have John Wayne around now and then rather than Tiny Tim, okay? <laughs> oh, Chelsea's worshiping. <laughs> but this gentleness thing I struggled with for so long because I couldn't see myself as being a gentle man. And God really began to deal with me and tell me, now this is the way you begin to do this is to understand that I'm with you always. I'm with you when you respond to your friends. I'm with you when you respond to your mate. I'm with you when you respond to your children. These, these that I have put in your care. These that I have I've placed for you to bring into righteousness and, and to let them see the life of God in you so that they can begin to see me. Remember, when you respond to them, I'm with you. The Lord is near. The Lord is near. He, he's there. He's with you. Messes up the macho idea. Not completely, but it does mess it up somewhat. Now, do not be anxious about anything. Let that sink in. He didn't say, pray and I will relieve the anxiety. He said, you don't be anxious. 
Some people, you hear them say, well, I'm just a worrier. What if you're not? What if the real you is not a worrier? What if the real you has peace that goes beyond understanding that dwells in your heart through what? Faith. What if the, you continuing to say, well, I'm just a worrier, makes you appear to be a worrier and feel like a worrier? Well, there's someone that could be at peace in you that's trying the best to come out. Be anxious for nothing. You be anxious for nothing. But in everything, he's telling us how to do it. You know, Paul's good about that. He tells us something, an imperative. But then he says, now here's how you do it. By prayer, by petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And now what comes next? And the peace of God, that undisturbed existence, that, that peaceful existence comes out from God. And these scriptures is why you've probably heard me say this, especially in prayer line, that I tell people, peace is a choice. Peace is a choice. It don't just come upon you. Peace is a choice. The peace of God which transcends all understanding. Hear me, peace won't fit between your ears. Nope. I don't understand it. But I lift it to God and realize that He's been about something ever since this new birth happened inside of me. Ever since, ever since man was created, God has been about something. Jesus was crucified from the foundations of the world. That means that everything God has for you was created and made available all the way from the beginning. So if I do this, if I pray and I petition Him and I give Him thanks and, and I, I let my glory rise up, I, if I don't feel like it, I just begin to say, Hallelujah. And I, I do this. Sometimes I don't feel like praising. Certainly don't feel joyful. And I begin to stir up what is in me by just saying, Hallelujah. Do that. Hallelujah. You notice what happens inside? It's happening inside of me right now. Hallelujah. The universal word that begins to project who, who I am in all my difficulties and all my trials instead of beginning to go to him and, and whine and complain about what this one does, what that one does, what this one don't do, what this one does do. Instead of that, I just begin to say, Hallelujah. And just, I keep saying it and saying it and saying it and saying it. He don't get tired of it, I don't think, because something happens in my heart. And this says, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. See, this is all of the things that had happened to mankind from creation until that night in Bethlehem. When they saw that there was really a Messiah born, heaven erupted. It erupted. Why? Because the devil's done. And people that live like this and understand this, they just let it they just keep going and keep going and keep going and keep going and keep going. It seems like, yeah, they run into hard times, but they're choosing joy even when you don't feel like it because they're making room for the message. The Lord has come. The Lord has come. God among us. 
The one that loves you, the one that's pleased with you, the one who offers you peace, the one who indwells you, the one who empowers you, it's the Lord. Now, joy does not overtake you. You overtake joy. See, those shepherds, if they had just passed that off and took off running away from that light and the singing that night, they would have never been joyful. But they were decided to respond Bill Johnson says this. I love the statement. Peace is quiet joy. And joy is peace out loud. (laughs) I like that. Let your gentleness be known. You're not a wild man kicking against the Father that loves you and trying to demonstrate to the world how you're going to overcome the devil. I've I've got a little bit of an interruption, a commercial message for those guys. He already did it. The devil's defeated. I heard, boy, I hate to even say that. No, I think it's funny. I'll say it. I heard a young guy preaching years ago. He said, man, when God takes me out of here, I'm asking him to take me out backwards. So I'll be kicking and biting devils all the way. And even in my young faith, I thought, that's really stupid. You can't. We're not made to pick fights with the devil. Jesus took care of that. And I'm not picking fights with demons. That's why people lose families. It's why they lose marriages. It's why they lose finances. It's why they lose all things. They go picking fights with the devil. Hey, he already won the battle. Jesus already won it. Be anxious for nothing. Remember, the Lord's at hand. You see, anxiety and worry is the demonic partner to fear. The Lord is my light. I believe it's Psalm 24, Psalm 25 that says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Who am I going to fear? Though a host encamp against me, I'll not fear. Why? Because the Lord is my light and my salvation. Ah, That makes me just want to pray in tongues for a little while. I might do that in a minute. You know, that worry and that fear, it will touch you now and then. But that's the time to stop and make room for that new birth and say, oh, hallelujah. There's something being birthed in me right now. There's something that the enemy senses that God is doing and he's trying to distract me. Something like a new baby in my life. And and just take a moment to worship him and let the freshness of this new interruption, let it come in your life. And worship is simply choosing to give him worth. And that brings peace. God's a truth teller. And he's told me what the end of my days look like. And that being the case, he and I, we can get through this. Yea, though I walk through the valley of death. No, the shadow of death. I'll fear no evil. Why? Because he's with me. Yeah, it's it's rough. Walking through times like Joe's walking through, he's he's been a big, strong, tough man. Right now, he don't feel so strong and so tough. But guess what? It's just a shadow. God's with you. And something will change. I don't know what. Something will change. And you'll realize that God has decided to do something. And then this peace that passes understanding, this peace that I can't comprehend, peace that I can't explain, this joy unspeakable, this, this peace and joy that I can't think it through, I can't get it settled in my mind, but because I've settled my mind on Him, it begins to 
invade my heart, and all of a sudden it's disrupting. Change it.